You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Here the Lord Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we have, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, Your Father will not forgive your sins. And then John chapter 15, starting at verse 9. Some further instructions from the Lord on prayer. And here the Lord Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. And the text for the sermon this afternoon is God's word as we have it summarized and as we so confess it in Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give His grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by Him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only, who has revealed Himself in His Word, for all that He has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as He has promised us in His Word. What has God commanded us to ask of Him? All things we need for body and soul as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord Himself taught us. What is the Lord's Prayer? 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You come home from a hard day of work and your family gathers around the supper table, the dinner table. And same as every day, you all fold your hands, you all bow your heads and you close your eyes. Nobody has to say it. You all know this is going to happen. You do it every day. You're going to pray. But when you think about it, when you really think about it, what is almost automatic is really a deep mystery, isn't it? It's so hard to fathom what's really going on. You are talking to someone out loud whom you cannot see, yet you feel His power in your life and in so many different meaningful ways. You have entered into conversation with the living God. What's going on when you do that? What's really happening? And how do you dare approach Him the living God, what are you going to say? What do you say to the God of all creation? Well, in the past, the church has developed certain form prayers to help us do that, to teach us what to say and how to say it. We have form prayers in our church. You can find them if you look in the back of the book of praise. There's a few form prayers to help you pray before a meal, after a meal. There's prayers for after a worship service, before a worship service. We teach our children form prayers too. Some of us do. Before a meal or before they go to bed, they have prayers that they memorize and they, they know them and they pray them by themselves. Well, when the Lord's disciples saw Jesus praying to His heavenly Father, to God, they asked Him to teach them how to pray too. And He answered with a form prayer, a prayer we call the Lord's Prayer. And this is our guide. Jesus gave it to us to teach us how to pray. And so Lord's Day 45 in the Heidelberg Catechism is an introduction to the Lord's Prayer. And the Catechism will explain each of the petitions. But before we do that, in the Catechism, we want to understand what prayer is, how to pray, and what to ask for. And so that's the theme of the, the sermon this afternoon. Lord, teach us to pray. And we'll see why we pray how we pray, and what we pray. Well, why do we pray? Lord's Day 45 says we pray simply because we have to. It's the most important part of the... Our prayer is necessary for the the most important part of our thankfulness. It's necessary. We have to do it. But that doesn't sound quite right, does it? We don't like to talk like that because 
being thankful shouldn't be forced on a person. If you gave someone a gift and they were saying thank you because they had to, you'd be able to sense it from a mile away. Being thankful should be spontaneous, right? It should be from the heart. Well, I think the the requirement makes a lot of sense if we think about how we teach our children to say thank you. And we notice how they need to learn that. Every child has to be forced to say thank you once in a while when grandma comes over and, and gives your daughter a gift. Likely she'll just grab it and take off. She's gone without saying a word and you need to grab her and, and put her in front of grandma and tell her you better say thank you for this nice thing that your grandmother has done for you. And nobody thinks that's weird. Your daughter needs to learn that. It's learned behavior. And hopefully in time, she'll own that thanksgiving. It'll be part of something she wants to do. And it'll come from the heart. Well, we, like our children, need to be forced and and put in front of our God and, and, and be forced to say thank you for the things He's done for us because sometimes in our own sinfulness and our own greediness, we we start to think that we deserve the things we have and they're just ours by right and we don't think to say thank you. We don't know how. And so to begin with, we need the Lord Jesus to show us what we ought to be thankful for and realize what God has done for us. Jesus taught His disciples how to pray in the first place. This is important. That they can pray to God because Jesus made it possible. And so He teaches them how to pray in this Sermon on the Mount to His disciples, people whom He had gathered together and presented before His Father. If He hadn't done that, He wouldn't teach us how to pray because we would have no right to pray. We would have no relationship with God that we should call upon Him. And so that's the first thing we need to realize when we pray. Realizing what Jesus and what God did through His Son for us in creating that relationship. And secondly, by realizing that He called us into that fellowship while we were Sinners, enemies of God, pulled in, rescued, and set before the Father, forgiven. Peace with God. We were lost. Jesus found you. And God gives you all these blessings in Him. So how do you respond to that? Catechism says prayer is the most important way of responding to that. Simply say simply, thank you. God wants us to say it. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, Give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's another reason for praying in the catechism as well. The second part of uh Answer 116 says that God won't give you anything if you don't ask Him for it. You've got to ask. Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus tells His disciples, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. 
This is a command. Those three words are commands. You have to do them. And in this context, Jesus is stressing for us the persistent, repeated action. Keep on knocking. Don't stop asking. Always knock. It's a a disciplined activity that you've got to keep doing. Why would Jesus make such a command on His disciples? Is it because you don't really believe the promise when He says, and you will receive? Is that why we need this command? I know it sometimes feels like you're talking to yourself when you pray. Non-Christian counselors will actually recommend prayer as a way to look inward, to meditate on your own thoughts and, and feelings. And that it's a good way to kind of separate yourself from the rest and, and just be alone. The people who talk like this are scientifically trained to believe that this world and our activities in it run on a natural process. And they take God out of the mix And you can bring him back in whenever you want, but he doesn't really belong in the mix. It's just natural. But if that's true, what use is prayer? Why would you bother asking him for anything if he's not real? You're just throwing words up into the sky. Do you feel like that sometimes? Jesus says you need to join your prayer with faith. You've got to believe that God is there, that He's watching you, He notices you, and that He cares about everything you do. Join faith with prayer. Or maybe you don't ask God Maybe you don't pray as much because you don't feel like acknowledging God in your own life. You work hard for what you have. And you begin to think that you can get along just fine without God. If you run into trouble, you'll let Him know, but for now, things are just fine. But you also need to acknowledge that everything you have was given to you. Everything. Pray to God about your job. Pray to Him about your friends, your family, the food you eat, the roof over your head. Thank Him. Ask Him for these things. Or you want so badly to be disciplined. You're trying so hard to break bad habits, but you can't. You keep falling back into them. You don't have steady faith. You can't be hospitable. You can't help those in need. You can't serve as elder or deacon. James says, you don't have because you don't ask God. Well, now that we know that we must pray and we've heard the command, the question is, how do you pray? After all, you're approaching God. How do you do that? Well, it seems to me that prayer often falls somewhere between two extremes. On the one hand, too casual. 
Some people, when they pray, they act as if they're talking to a friend or else they're, they're just shouting things over the fence to their next door neighbor and they, they, they've got their hands in their pockets and they, they ask, hey God, can I have a blessing on, on whatever they're asking for and it's no big deal. But other people on the other extreme, they're so detached. They, they act as if they're so far away from God and, and that there's, there's something separating them and, and their prayers are just so mechanical and routine and, and they just say the same thing and, and I think that's another opposite extreme. Too mechanical. Well, the Catechism in Lord's Day 45 really gives us a great balance for our prayers. It's incredibly balanced. Lord's Day 45 says that our prayers should be sincere, they should be humble, and they should be confident. Those three things. Jesus commands that our our prayers be sincere in Matthew 6, verse 5. Do not be like the hypocrites, he said. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Now understand that it's not wrong to pray in public. We do it all the time. What's wrong and what the Lord is criticizing is when people pray in public in order to impress people. That's wrong. Hypocrites don't pray from the heart. They just want it to seem as if they do. You know, you don't have to wax eloquent with words you would never otherwise use just to make your prayer sound good. God isn't interested in that, and neither should we. In fact, God hates it when we do that. God hates it when you don't pray from the heart. Matthew 15, Jesus said that the worship that was being offered by the Pharisees was useless. They might as well not even have done it. And so He says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Don't come to God pretending to be someone you're not. Come to Him with all your faults, all your confusion, all your brokenness. He knows everything about you. You can't hide anything from Him, but but that should also comfort you. He still wants you to pray to Him. He still commanded you to pray to Him, knowing about all of that stuff about you. It's also hard to pray from the heart if all you ever do is use stock phrases strung together, muttered quickly before a meal or or before you go to bed. Sometimes people like to place their orders before the throne of God like like they're in a drive-thru or, or like it's it's something that God owes you. Uh, can you give me a meal? Can you Can you make sure my work goes well? And it's no big deal. You just throw those orders out and 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 sure it's formal and it and it's couched in in flowery language but really you're just throwing these orders out are you thinking about what you're asking for and what it means to ask the god of your life 
for these things? Is it really from the heart when you pray, open your heart to God. Speak freely to Him. Tell Him your needs, your desires, your hopes, your fears. He wants you to. And so our prayers need to be from the heart. They need to be, it needs to be you praying. But at the same time, secondly, the catechism says they've still got to be humble. And I think a lot of people forget that. We don't realize who we are before God and what it means to pray to Him and what we've done. I think recognizing what we've done helps us be humble. A few weeks ago, my wife made soup. It was a, a big pot of soup. And I came home late that day and I was rushing around the house getting ready for a meeting. I didn't have time to sit down and eat it. And as I was rushing around, I, I wanted to turn on the kettle to, uh, for some tea before I left and I, I turned on the wrong element. And I walked away. And sometime later I hear a scream from the kitchen. I burned her soup and it was ruined. She had good reason to be angry with me that day. I was careless with something that was important to her, something she worked hard on. And that's got to affect how I approach her. I can't just come in there like nothing happened. I've got to be humble. I've got to ask her to forgive me. And she's got to see on my face and in my body language that I'm sorry when we approach God in prayer, we need to acknowledge that we've done so many things that give Him good reason to be angry with us. And that means it's got to show in our body language and on our face and the words we speak and in the way we speak it that we're sorry. We need to come humbly. And the Bible shows us lots of good examples of humble prayers. Here's a couple of them. Daniel 9, verse 18. Daniel prays to God, We do not make our requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O oh Lord, listen. O oh Lord, forgive. A, a heartfelt plea for forgiveness. When the paralytic approaches Jesus for healing, Jesus says to him, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. He came humbly asking for forgiveness. And what Jesus did for him was tied to forgiveness. In fact, we may never ask for anything apart from forgiveness. You may, you, the only way to approach God is through forgiveness. He hears our prayers because He forgave us. So we come humbly. Thirdly, we also come with confidence. And this is where we, we need to balance because sometimes we might be so humble that we never dare to approach God. He's too distant. Jesus doesn't want us to think like that. He wants us to recognize that though we're humble, we still have good reason to be confident before His throne. 
And so Jesus assures us that you don't have to be afraid to call upon God whenever and for whatever reason. And Psalm 34 says the same thing. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, the psalm says, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so ironically, our our humility helps us also approach God. And that's the confidence that Jesus gives to His disciples. John 14, verse 14. You may ask Me for anything in My name, and I will do it. And then again in John 15, verse 16. The Father will give you whatever you ask in My name. Jesus is telling us that He mediates our prayers. And that's why we can be confident. We pray through Him, in His name, based on what He's done for us. And that's the only way we can talk to God. The Lord has given His disciples free access to the Heavenly Father. Prayer was mediated in the Old Testament as well. The Jews learned, and this is what it means, to have our prayers mediated, why it's important. The Jews learned that God is so holy that not anyone can just come and and walk up to Him and start talking to Him. In fact, in Israel, the temple was, was built in the middle and the Holy of Holies was in the center and then the holy place and then the outer court and then the fence and then the people. And the only way to pray to God was with a sacrifice offered by the priest You could not just pray to God unmediated. The Jews had to learn that God is holy and that we need to be cleansed before we approach Him. And then here comes Jesus in the New Testament crushing that confidence because He said, the temple is going to be destroyed because of your sinfulness. Hear how devastating that judgment is. If the temple is destroyed, God's people can no longer approach Him in prayer. They can't ask Him for anything. He's not with them anymore. It's the ultimate judgment. And so when Jesus says to His disciples, you can ask the Father anything in My name. He's showing them in the first place. Yes, the temple is going to be destroyed, but these people whom I gathered can still call upon God. You get that confidence, even more confidence, because you can approach God based on my sacrifice. How confident we can be, therefore, to approach God in prayer. Jesus sprinkles our prayers with His blood. And God will certainly hear them. Of course, when our, when we hear you can ask for anything, our greedy hearts run wild, don't they? Because I want a Mercedes, or I want a million dollars, or I want to be prime minister. I want as much as I can have because we're consumers, aren't we? All of us where we think that accumulating more stuff is somehow a a good thing. It's what we want most of all. The Lord is not telling us that He's going to give us whatever our itchy desires uh, are asking for. He's saying He'll give us whatever we need for body and soul. 
And here we we see again that context is so important when we read texts like this. John 14, Jesus says that you'll get whatever you ask for. But in the context, he was saying goodbye to his disciples and they thought he that everything that he had been doing on earth would be finished. Once he left, his work was done. And Jesus is telling them, that's not true. My work will continue through you. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will be will do what I have done or what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So when the when the disciples continue the Lord's work, they're going to bring glory to the Father. And what Jesus is telling them in, in this context is that God will give whatever you ask for in this work because of Jesus. And the Lord explains His promise again in John 15, verse 16. He says, You didn't choose Me, I chose you, and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And here again we see Jesus preaching to His disciples about how wrong the world had become, how far from God it had drifted. But here He says that that you have been set apart as the kingdom of God here on earth. This was the appointment that God gave Israel in the Old Testament to be God's people in the world set apart. This was the appointment that they failed to accomplish. They didn't do it. They didn't succeed. That's why Jesus had to come. And so here comes Jesus and He says, you will succeed. This time it's gonna, you're gonna succeed because I'm going to give you and my Father's going to give you whatever you ask for in order to fulfill this calling in my kingdom. You will bear fruit because I'm going to give you what you need to bear fruit. So when Jesus says ask for anything, He doesn't mean any selfish thing that comes to mind. Things for me, things that will serve me. No, our prayers need to focus on what God is doing in this world through us. We need to be in tune with that. And so 1 John 5 verse 15 or verse 14 says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask for anything according to His will, He will hear us. But then again, sometimes you will have it that you are seeking the kingdom of God in prayer. And still, God doesn't give you what you ask for. What's happening there? Why not? And so you wonder, does God really hear my prayers? Why isn't God healing me? Why isn't God helping me? I feel Abandoned by my God. (coughs) Well, it's not true that God doesn't hear you. Matthew 6, verse 8 says, Your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. And the Lord teaches us that even though you're convinced of a great need, God actually knows when you're wrong about that. 
He knows your deepest needs. And He won't give you something you don't need. He won't give you something that won't help you. He will not give you something that's going to ultimately hurt you. And so I don't know why God won't heal you. I don't know why you can't get the job that you trained for, the job you've applied for. I don't know why God isn't giving you whatever you asked for. But I do know one thing. I'm convinced of it. Absolutely convinced. Convinced that God is watching you very closely. Each one of you. He knows all your sore spots and He's deeply concerned for your life. He's not confused about what you need. He's not unsure about what you're asking for about, or He's not unsure about your future. And that's our great comfort in praying to the living God of heaven and earth. It's great comfort in knowing that our requests will always be answered according to our greatest need. And so because we know that, we can, we can put our prayers and put our lives so completely in God's hands, no matter what we're enduring or struggling with, that we're in God's hands. And He's with us through that challenge. And He hears us when we pray through our challenges. Well, it's no small thing to pray to God. How to be sincere, humble, and confident as we approach His throne. How do we know what to say We can begin to understand prayer when we listen to how Jesus taught us to pray. And so it is good to memorize the Lord's Prayer, to have it on your heart, let it inform you. But don't don't memorize it because that's the only thing you're ever going to say to God. It's meant as a teaching aid. The Lord wants us to own it, just like the child will one day own His thanksgiving. So also, we've got to own our prayers. Well, how do we do that? The Bible gives us still one more promise, and that's that the Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray. So the Lord gives us this this example. And the Holy Spirit comes and, and helps us to put that teaching into practice. Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how we ought to pray or what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that we that words cannot express. Our minds and our hearts aren't always in it. We're weak. The Spirit gives us strength. He focuses our attention on the kingdom. He rids us of hypocrisy. He teaches us how to pray. And so with the Spirit's help, you can pray from the heart. You can pray humbly. And you can pray confidently to the one true God. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.